In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bogwin. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 310. That's right. We are talking Green Lanterns 37, 38, and 39. Uh, also known as A World of Our Own, uh, which is a story arc involving Jessica and Simon and uh, the political and uh, xenological um, uh, tensions on planet Ankara. So. Mark is taking 37, I'll take 38, and he'll take 39, and we'll tackle it that way, I guess. Joy, oh, joy. <laughs> All right, man, uh, you're up. All right, so here, here's my here's a disclaimer I just gave Chad. Uh, I read all these issues. I went back to reread all these issues. I'm not gonna lie, this there are some there are some things in this in this story I do like, so don't so it, I'm not putting out the disclaimer that oh god I hate this story. I'm just saying that this story did not grab me enough where I, or I'm, I feel per, maybe I'll surprise myself, but if my recaps are a little less detailed and more just talking broad strokes, that's going to be the reason why I'm just making it clear. And I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll mirror that sentiment with something I was going to say for a little bit later in the description, but I'll say it now. You know, guys, you know, guys, when you're reading like a novel and. Like you're 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 caught up in it, you're okay with it for a little bit, but then all of a sudden you realize it's been like a page and a half, and you forgot whatever it was you were just reading, and you're like, shit, I'm not paying attention. I've got to go back like a page and, and wait, what was I reading again? That's what this story is for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's my eyes kept kind of sliding off of it, going, ah, I don't really care. Oh wait, it's been a couple of panels. I need to go back and <laughs> focus on what was actually being said. Well, at least we're on the same page when it comes to that, and and it's and it's also continuing the novel analogy. It also can possibly be akin to the fact when when you're reading a book and they have and they have different storylines going on in the book, and you get and there's a one of the storylines you really don't give a rat's ass about. So whenever you get to a chapter that's focusing on that stuff, you tend to either you don't necessarily skip it, but you skim it so fast. If somebody asked you for a thousand dollars, what happened in that chapter, you probably couldn't answer it. <laughs> it's, it's kind. It's 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 similar to kind of like kind of that too. That there's a that same sentiment. It is there are some some cool things in here, but just overall, I would say not enough to make me want to pay super attention to it. But that's that's just my disclaimer going in. So I'm just making it clear. So I, if it sounds like I'm mailing it in, it's not because I really want to, but it might be because I kind of am, but not intentionally. It's just because. This is this is all I can do with the story, <laughs> and, I, and I'm and I'm glad they actually tell you what the 
I'm glad I didn't have to dig too far to find what the story arc's title was, because by luck of the draw, I realized today I actually have the variant covers for all three issues. So I, I like the variants for all three. Yeah, yeah. So the, the variants are pretty cool, but since the variants never have the, the, the story arc title on it, it made me go, oh, I better go find this, the title arc right away, but luckily Chad beat me to that. So let's, let's dive into this issue. Let's do the, let's do the, uh, oh, the creative teams at the end, isn't it? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. No, actually, no, it's not. Where the hell is it? I just had it a second ago. Oh, it's on the first second. It's on the first, the, the second page, the splash page. Uh, Tim Seeley, Carlos Barberi, Matt Santarelli, Ulysses Ariola, Dave Sharp, McCone and Ribeiro did the cover, Prant Peterson did the variant, Marino and Cotton, the editors. So we begin in the, uh, in Greenland, in the Green Lantern sector house where, uh, <laughs> where Simon is squatting, <laughs> and he, and uh, he's he's playing cards with his, basically with his ring. Who's making a who we made it, but an energy construct babe to be playing cards with. Uh, at this point, he gets a he pretty much gets a a phone call from uh, Lisseth Lisseth uh -huh. Vok, right? Is is, is it uh -huh. Vok? Yeah. Um. Who we who we met that not that long ago and Simon helped save save her life, so pretty much she re, she reaches out to him and says the Green Lanterns must return to Angara, you know basically that you know there's more or less talking about there's there's upheaval and uneasiness on the planet and when Simon and Jessica arrive we see a lot of the Angarans basically protesting about the Molites who were moved and transferred from their dying planet to Angara. Uh, previously, like Molites, bringers of death. Angara is for peace and Angarans, and shed no shed no violet. Uh, Vok brought murder to Tuku. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, at the Capitol House, uh, Lisseth's mother, the Regent, is 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 having some uh, nice sword sword practice there, and and as she's doing this, ta you know, taking out this robot this, or this droid that she's fighting, basically she's having a conversation with Simon and Jessica. About about what's going on, and she's kind of explaining how more or less the mole lights are not necessarily completely fitting in. Some of their customs are are unseem unseemly, or uh, you know, and not very uh, accepted in the eye. Their behavior isn't in the eyes of of the Angarans. So basically, while she's explaining the situation, she's also making it clear that. Which is kind of I like when they spar. I mean, momentarily, uh, Simon and Jessica. I like I do like Simon and like in in, in his turban and his robes and everything else. And Jessica takes on more like a classic or armored warrior look. And they and they while they continue this conversation about the state of Angara and, and the refugee camps and how the you know how the protests are growing and, and basically things are coming to a head. You know the the region more or less more or less excuse me you know kicks the crap out of both of them. And she points out, you know, I'm pleading with you to use your goodwill with the Molites to rescue the hostages, because apparently uh, a group of a group of younglings that were motivated, you know, by fire and stupidity entered their camp, and I guess, you know, I guess they were never they never returned, so they're being quote unquote, at least from the Ungaran point of view, held hostage. So the region wants Jessica and Simon to go basically negotiate and get them out. But she also throws in the little caveat that, well, right now, this wouldn't be – the uh, the Angarans don't seem particularly thrilled with the, the whole Green Lantern thing right now because of 
Jessica and Simon bringing the Molites to the planet. So if you're going to do this, you more or less have to go undercover. You can't wear your uniforms. You can't you know you can't, you can't show light from your ring. Uh, which I guess they kind of sort of they kind of sort of go play by those rules because they're going into the basically the deep bowels of Angara, but it's not like anybody with two eyes couldn't see that what they're wearing are energy constructed jumpsuits. And their rings are glowing too, but they are but they are in the you know the 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 underbelly of of Angara, so I guess I guess that get give you kind of an out. While they're doing this, they get attacked by a bunch by a bunch of female molites who who are going you know more or less batshit crazy. And at the time, uh, based on the based on the disguise that the disguise that they're using, they kind of look like Angarans. Their skin color looks like Angaran, so the Molites just assume that they are, and they attack. Then Jessica and Simon kind of go, "Hey, we better we better switch into our normal look to get these people to the Molites to to lay off us." It doesn't really work. They're, they're kind of like rabid dogs, but then we kind of find out that the main reason they're like that is because they're 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 just they're rec- they recently these are females have all recently given birth. They're just they're recent mothers, and. <laughs> And once and once the ring figures this out, they make energy construct little baby molites, which of course all the mothers just grab and kind of love. I kind of like that part. Uh, that was kind of cute. And we we find out that all all the, there's a whole bunch of their eggs, the molite eggs that were smashed, and the teenagers pretty much the teenagers that broke in did some of the smashing, and that's what that's kind of what freaked all the mother freaked all the mothers out. We had the pod father shows up at this point, and she kind of points out that you know when when pretty much somebody somebody destroys an egg that unleashes a scent that marks the destroyer, and the scent drives a pod mother to blind rage. You know they are known to track murderers through tunnels and streams from one end to the other, and the pod father points out he didn't really he didn't really take prisoners. He just placed the younglings in my sacred quarters, you know. Where the, you know where these pod mothers are not even allowed to go. He basically did it to save the children's lives, and Simon point Simon's kind of laying out the problem that you know one of the Ungar, you know the Ungaran, what what was his name? The Ungaran that died. I know they mentioned it in this a couple. Commodore Pice Pice or Sis. Let's let's say Sit. Let's just say Sit and assume the P is silent. Uh, that yeah. Sit was killed, and of course uh, it was blamed. It was set up so people would think it was the Molites who did it. And at this point, you know, the Pod Father just kind of confesses and go, "It was a simple misunderstanding, but a man is dead of my greed." You know, it's like I killed Commodore Sit. Now we cut to the Capitol House, and Jessica and Simon, Jessica and uh, the Regent are kind of talking about about what you know about what's going on. And it's it's interesting conversation. Jessica seems to have a lot of you know, she, she seems to have some admiration admiration for the regent, and you know, Jessica's just trying to think of the situation. I, I just think he's confused, angry, guilty. You know, we saved those people. You know, just to, everything that's going on. She's trying to look at everything from both sides, and she talk you know she talks about Simon about you know I don't it's like I don't think so. I mean that's how we're different. One of the ways. I mean I, I don't when I'm down I obsess. I think. I overtalk Simon. You know, Simon. He goes to bed. Uh, we see Simon praying, but we also see Simon hooking up with Lisseth. Uh, as we're finding out, uh, talk about the kiss of death. Simon has the, you know, the uh, the screw of death. It seems whoever he hooks up with ends up ends up in bad straits or has a bad seed. Uh, 
Jessica, not Jessica, Elizabeth and and Simon, they talk. You know, they they go to they go to bed. We also find out that there's a there's a connection between the two of them that Simon does. I, th I think he explains in this issue, but also explains it, I think, more in, in another issue too. There's a connection between Lysith now and uh, and Simon because Lysith was she was saved by Simon using that magical power he has to bring people back either from the dead or on the verge of death. And at this point, you know, when Lysith is saying we are connected, some embarrassed body and soul, they end up they end up going to bed. Je you know, they, we cut back to Jessica talking to the regent. You know, she didn't, this is you know she kind of just again talks about her admiration for her. It's like, I mean, how strong she is and how she stands for everything. And it's like, they, it's just uh, there's not. A, I mean, it's it's interesting conversation, but I don't know if it's not that much we need to uh, dwell on, other than point when the region goes. I, I think sometimes my eyes are so focused on the horizon that I miss what's directly happening in front of me, which is super relevant because after. after after their uh, post-coital bliss there, uh, in, when they're having their pillow talk, this is when Lisseth kind of points out that, oh, I have something to tell you. You know, Podfather Vob didn't kill a Commodore Sit. You know, it's like uh, the evidence was planted by by some, you know, by a freelance, you know, vigil, uh, Kesh Kerr, you know, the forensic scientist. Kerr killed Sit, blah, 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 blah. And she points out that you know, both men are members of the Red Tide, you know, a native supremacist organization. They, they want to destroy, you know, the Universalist Green Lantern Corps. And Simon goes, well, how do you know all this? And she goes, because, Simon Baz, I am Red Tide. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. I got more out of that than I thought. Uh, I mean, I, I get what they're trying to do here in terms of trying to make a point in regards to... I guess kind of a side side point in terms of like modern day issues that we're all facing, but I don't know. Uh, I, I hesitate to say keep politics out of my Green Lantern comics, and I don't mean like modern politics in terms of like I'm not I'm not saying don't make a point. I mean the literal politics. I don't know if I care to read a story about the politics on a given world. And the reason I hesitate to say that is because sometimes, depending on the, the story, how it's written, blah, 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 those sorts of things can be intriguing. Like, you know, a lantern shows up on blah, blah, blah planet and can't do A, B, C, or D because of the rules of the Book of Oa. He says that, you know, they can't interfere in whatever. That kind of stuff can be intriguing, and it's, and it's definitely welcome in terms of like breaking up the monotony of just kind of shoot them up you know punch punch uh holes and everything sort of action but at the same time this is not a story i really care to read so i don't and it's it's difficult for me because i can see what Seely's trying to do and i can appreciate it but it's not it's not, it's not a story for me which is an interesting position for me to be in because I can see how somebody could like this story, uh, not just this issue, but all, all three of these issues in, in the story arc. And I could see how uh, fans could like this, but it's not for me. But that does, does that really mean it's bad? No. It's just... Not interesting to you. <laughs> not interesting to me, basically. 
it's a long it's a, it's a long way to say it, but yeah, it's it's not interesting to me in any way, shape, or form. The art was okay, kind of spotty. Yeah, I think it's uh, okay too. Nothing special. Yeah, um, the stuff with the molites, I guess, is the most interesting to me. I, agree. I do like learning more about their biology and how they do all this stuff and what's going on with them, how that sort of uh, biometric or, or, or not biometric. That, how that sort of bio uh, process in their in, in, in the way that things work for them uh, would incorporate into this new world and how it could help help or hinder feeding some of the problems that they encounter. So stuff like that is interesting. It's just again, it's just not it's not for me. So to me, pardon my yawn, and that was not intended. Uh... Not inappropriate, but just <laughs> but it just was unintended. The uh, and not about you clearly about the story. The uh, the things kind of like we're, we're in conclusion. It's like we're in conclusion now, even though this is the first part. The the only things I really liked about this arc is I liked them. I liked the Molites, and I and I I always liked Jessica, and I liked uh, Lizeth's mom. Other than that, there's not much in here. Like I can, I, I can honestly, I can honestly say when the, when we get, when we get to issue 39 and the mole and the molites, the first time the molites are in trouble and they start becoming atta- getting attacked, I actually, I'm not gonna lie. When I actually was reading it the, uh, yesterday and I, when I got to that page, I, got, I said, oh no, because I actually do care about the molites and, I, and and the way they're drawn there, and I, I, they just seem innocent, so I feel so I, so that did get a reaction out of me. But again, like you. Echoing your sentiments, the mole lights are the most interesting thing, uh, and I think overall, other than that, it's just yeah, Lisseth's mole I, mean, I like, and there's a reveal in my issue I find interesting. It doesn't take place until the end, and it becomes a bigger factor in 39. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that's that's true, but uh, that that's just kind of to, to to amp up the uh, the trouble, the, the danger, yeah. yeah. That, I mean, it's interesting technology and interesting twist, the way to do it. But, like, again, it's just, like, <sighs> I don't really care. So. No, and, and we have to, and we also have to be somewhat somewhat honest and try to look. Well, we always try to be honest and objective, so I guess I didn't need to, to preface this. The reality is, if this wasn't Angara, we would even care even less about this story. <laughs> <laughs> if this was just a random planet and they had taken them to a random planet and it wasn't Angara. And because of our ties to Ungara with uh, Abin Sir, Aaron Sir, Sinestro, everything, do, well, we yeah. we care even less about this arc. It's just because we know this planet and 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 Abin Sir has been held in such high regard, and we know he as well he should be. That that may that that's a little added incentive here for us to care about the story. But if you took that out and just if the story had to live and die on its own beats and and what was in here, that would make it even less interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. Betrayed by the Red Tide. Which is an odd created. title because when you think about it, they really aren't betrayed by the Red Tide because the Red Tide is doing exactly what they what they stand for. They're only betrayed by Lysith. <laughs> um, we open up out in uh, a kerfuffle out on the streets. <laughs> uh, Regent Vok and uh, and Jessica are. Taking on a bunch of red tide uh, soldiers, sympathizers, whatever. Uh, after after uh, 
the the kind of the fighting is done. Lizeth take uh, not Lizeth. Regent Vought takes one of them captive and tor- eh, kind of tortures information out of him about where um, Kesh Kerr is. Uh, she figures out that he's over by the shores of Goldbray, the Singing Sentinels. She said the surge was coming. Uh, Jessica has a bit of a problem with Regent Vox method of getting information she stabbed an entire sword through his leg um meanwhile over in the prison simon goes over to visit the pod father and says uh you know essentially hey why did you confess to this crime you didn't commit um he says i'm the pod father wise man of my people uh i am was the most revered man on all of wall uh i am closest to the core above so when the core above became engorged and hungry, when it came to swallow up mole, my people turned to me. Um, and then he says, you know, to save my own flesh, I traded my people's quick, honorable death on a world that loved them for a long, miserable decay on a world that hates them. I did not kill Commodore Sit, Simon Baz, but I am guilty. Simon tells the guard to release him. He and Jessica go out into space and essentially kind of have a conversation about <laughs> led by Jessica, uh, about kind of what are we doing here? We don't belong here. This is not a situation for us. This is all politics, and there's there's nothing we can do. Um, he responds to that by asking if she's having a personal issue, if it has to do with her anxiety, and she says, how about you? You know, you got kicked out of your sister's house. You didn't get the job you wanted. Maybe you struck out with a girl you like. Whatever's going on with you, I think cool guy Simon Baz isn't used to losing. And to deal with it, you're overcompensating as a Green Lantern. You're trying to make this into a case you can solve, a fight you can win, a princess you can save. He says, the Molites lost their world when their star went supernova and now here on Angara. People hate them because they look different and believe in some other god. You said it yourself, back home, people don't trust us because we're two brown people with bad resumes. But out here, we're entrusted to wield these rings. We can make Angara a better place. We can make sure the Molites don't deal with crap people like us do on Earth. Uh, <clears throat> Regent Vok interrupts with a message and says, we'd like to meet you at the Capitol House immediately. They go down, speak with Regent Vok, and they come out with a plan to go down to the Goldbray shore and take on uh, Kerr. Lizeth says she's going to join them. Uh, she sweet talks her way into doing that, essentially. Um, I don't want to read all of her verbiage either. Um, <coughs> she says, Lizeth, you will not leave my sight. You'll be surrounded by an armed escort, and you will take my sword. Uh, Kesh Kerr is talking with some Red Tide uh, individuals at the shores, uh, kind of psyching at the troops, I guess. He says, damn the Guardians, damn the, that the traitor Avancer, damn the Green Lanterns, and that's when the Green Lanterns show up, take them on. Kind of a welcoming party ahead of Regent Valk. They show up, Kesh Kerr heads into a cave. Um, they take them all on, they win, make short work of them, so they follow into the cave and discover a lab. The ring analyzes the lab and says it's a hypothesis, it's, uh, it's electro Phoresis, magnetic uh, cell isolation and separation, biomolecule RNA splicing and genome manipulation. And 
there's Keshkur on the big big machine shooting energy blasts and lasers out of his eyes and stuff. Essentially, this is technology that can take the biology and genomes of other worlds and imprint those abilities onto, I guess, whoever enters this machine. Um, and he says, I knew you'd be coming here sooner or later. You can't keep your animal noses out of anyone's sovereignty for long. So I made some additions to the surge engine, poetic touches. You see this machine was developed here on the shore, so the wailing of the gale winds could cover the tormented screams of the test subjects. This machine is also kind of kind of technologically tapped into fear because it's kind of captured the screams of all the test subjects and is converting it into raw fear and that sort of sound wave and yellowish sound wave energy, you know, breaks up the constructs of the Green Lanterns real quick. Kesh grabs the Regent. I wish I could take credit for the cruel ingenuity of the Surge Engine. I can't, but the artist who conceived of its wickedness has been in your midst all along. Hello, remember me, test subject 1214, DNA grafting, and he's basically blaming her. He's, she's responsible for his creation, and she says, we were at war, we needed new weapons, I just wanted to end it to save the future for Lizeth. And uh, he starts bragging about him, you know, kind of holding sway over her, then an, a sword goes through him, he dies. Lizeth says, sorry, I had to use the element of surprise, it works so well on your guards after all. I appreciate the concern, Simon, but Keshkur, please. He had at his fingertips the evolutionary advantages of all the legendary alien races, Durlin, Martian, New God, Kaluan. And he was too xenophobic to use the surge engine for what it was really meant for, the permanent grafting of those powers onto a perfect, unstoppable warrior. That was the problem with Keshkur. He was a small-minded fool. And when it came to the elimination of alien scum from our planet, he was never willing to go far enough. And there was us stands with, like, I don't know, the wings of the Thanagarian, at the very least, uh, and horns and glowing eyes and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and this is next, Red Tide Rising. I wonder if she has any fear abilities here. I keep forgetting. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. All I know is a friggin', uh, was it? Is it the surge engine? Uh-huh. That just sounds too much like the fear engine. Even before they get in, get it's even even before they started actually talking about how they were tapping into fear and weaponizing it, it just remind it's just by the name of it alone it sounded too much like Sinestro's fear engine. So that hmm. so that kinda of reminded me automatically it's like, Oh, that doesn't sound overly original to me, but She does say Martian at the beginning, so I'm wondering if that explains kind of her um, shape, shape yeah, that happens later on because she's not she's no she's not like expo continuously exposed to this. So I'm wondering if she's a big part of it is just shape shifting ability. Could be. What do you think of the twist? I mean, I guess they like we we like we kind of prefaced before we got into this. I guess this issue. I guess we they had to do something to make her. A physical threat to them, just by just by being part of this organization alone, and even if she was going to stab them in the back, that she had to be some kind of physical threat to, or at least to make it why two Green Lanterns couldn't just take her out real quick. So I guess I guess on that level it, it was 
And 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 I guess, and, and again, it's, I don't think it's that much of a surprise that you know she played Simon, so she you know she that she could she was could play her mom too, you know. So I don't think that was. I I I keep going back to the Podfather when he's in jail in his onesie. That's not that's not a good look, man. And he he kind of looks like he kind of looks like Kit Fisto from all the Star Wars prequels. He looks like baby baby Kit Fisto. Um, yeah, that's what do you think of his what do you think of his reasoning? I don't know if I agree with it. I mean, obviously we don't agree with it, but like, does that make sense? Like, even if you were to place your your mindset in the mindset of him, does that even still make sense to you? Because it doesn't. The, the the part the part that does make sense to me, especially from his from his worldview, is when he's talking about that you know basically just he he's part he is obviously feeling guilty in general. A part part of him is feeling guilty because he thinks he's tri- he thinks he even though that wasn't really um, to us anyway based on what we saw it wasn't the real reason he decided to let Jessica and Simon get them off that planet was to save his own ass. But he feels at least guilty that he seems to think that that was the driving force behind what he did to save his own life. And by doing that, like he said, instead of going out going out in a quick death on a planet that they belong in and a planet that, quote-unquote, like, love them, that he basically has doomed the race to still dying out, but dying out, you know, in a, a long, drawn-out fashion in a world that, in which they're despised and they don't belong. I could... I, I could understand why that makes him feel that he's guilty enough. Why that on that level he was willing to take one for the team and and try to sacrifice himself for his people, but also, on a, which is an unselfish thing, but also it's kind of a, there is a little bit of selfishness to it because at least if he really feels guilty, he's kind of looking. It's kind of an easy way out instead of having to deal with him seeing the long the long decline in death of his people that he's going to take the easy way out probably unless they, unless we assume they're not going to kill him that there's no death penalty and he's just going to be spending life in the slammer for for this crime but so i i, I can i can see his motive i can see his motivation in feeling guilty and why he certainly why he really is dealing with a a, a question of faith it's of whether he made the right decision in taking his people off that planet. Um, maybe they would have been better off with his original assessment dying, all dying there as opposed to living in a place where things are just not going to go well and they don't belong and they're probably going to die anyway. So I, I, can see, I can see that from his perspective. I guess. Um, I really had no interest or uh, – it took me several – Reads and I still don't think I get it. Uh, the whole catch Kerr stuff and what's really going on and the Red Tide's goals and all that. I just, yeah, I just don't. I don't really have any interest in any of that. No, I don't have a great interest either. I can understand Simon and Jessica. Well, Jessica's kind of willingness to try and figure out if they even really belong there in the first place because. I mean, even especially from her perspective, being as new as she is, it's just like, uh, what are we supposed to do here exactly? So, Right, because it goes back to that whole idea about, like we saw when they were rescuing the Molites, how they were not really allowed to force them to based on what what they're supposed to do based on their law you know based on being a green lantern they're not supposed to force the molites to do something they don't want they're supposed to respect their their culture respect their wishes 
So it's kind of a, a variant or a variation on that concept that where Jessica is wrestling with the idea that you know basically, you know, this is, you know, yeah, yes, it's partially, it's it's more than partially really on this level their responsibility because they helped get, they helped set up this dynamic, that this is where they you know they helped bring these bring these people to this to this planet so that I can understand where they feel responsible to take care of them so I can understand that perspective. And I could also understand Jessica's perspective, where this is essentially a, polit- a, a political issue, especially when it comes to protecting the mole lights from being killed or something is one thing. The idea of getting involved in not necessarily a civil war, but getting involved between, you know, this revolu- this revolutionary or terrorist faction against the government, is that really their job necessarily to to pick sides and so I, I, I think philosophically, I think it, it's actually a pretty good. It, it raises some interesting questions again about what a Green Lantern should be doing with their power and what they shouldn't be doing. I mean, how 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 much do you inter how much do you interfere or can you interfere before you end up having kind of or can potentially having that Sinestro worldview? If even if you're not setting yourself up as dictator of your own planet, that you you can you can kind of determine. How these go- how these planets are going to govern themselves and what kind of what kind of world they're going to be because you you can tilt the balance of power pretty much whenever you want. So. All right. All right. Thirty nine. All right. Let's roll the dice on thirty nine. Thirty uh, nine is the one I've only actually read one full time. Uh, so we we pick up back at the sh- at the shore of Gobray on on Angara. Uh, Basically, Simon, Jessica, and the Regent have all been captured, and they're being broken out by these are some are some are Vox troops, and they kind of we kind of we kind of we get a quick recap, you know, oh, you know, Keshkur is dead, but my daughter has escaped, and Simon, oh, she's got damn near unlimited power from the surge engine, and the DNA of the toughest alien species, but she didn't kill us, and. And the, and the regent's like, no, I know my child. She wants us to follow her. She wants us to fight her, against her for the cameras because every, because everything she does, she needs an audience. So we kind of see Lysis kind of with, with her wings floating down. And, of course, she just naturally looks a lot more, like, devilish now in what she's doing. Literally, she has horns or her or her hair. And, and she has, you know, her horns, her hair, everything kind of looks almost like Drac, like Bram Stoker's Dracula, devilish. Kind of a, a look to her. She's appealing to the people, it's like people of Toku, citizens of Angara. You've been hearing my words for the last few years in my songs. You know, uh, all in all these years about you know about about love and peace, things forgotten during our, our world's years of civil war. But today I want to talk to you about something that's also been forgotten. I want to talk to you about pride. And you know, she, you know, she's she's re, you know she's reaching out that uh. It's like she, you know, and she talks about Abin Sur and again how Abin Sur was held in, in high in high regards, but then she kind of points out, but Abin Sur is dead. Abin, he died in a ba- backwater alien world. Thank you, <laughs> nice cheap shot, <laughs> and and gave his ring to an Earther. Our ring, our power, and it, you know, is and then you have the little molites there. Is that the singing leader, singing lady, Podfather Bob, and and Podfather's telling you know telling the kid to be quiet. And Lithus is like, now Earther lanterns bring aliens to our planet. We're told to give them homes. We're told to open our hands. 
And I say our people have suffered way too much. The next generation deserves to keep its own power. And it's like we deserve to take whatever the hell we want from anyone else. Aliens, Earthmen, the Green Lantern Corps. And this is kind of like those weird, one of those weird moments. It's like she says, I'm sorry, Molites, your planet is gone, swallowed by your sun. And you have no powers, nothing to give me or Angara. So at that moment, this is this is the panel that, that had me go, oh no! It's like when so she starts she starts blasting and attacking the, you know the molites in their in their in their village, uh, in their little uh, refugee camp. That's what the word I was thinking. Of, that I was they couldn't think of refugee. Yes, the little refugee camp there, the little pseudo pseudo non-Nazi like but some kind of like concentration camp away from everything else. Um, and at that point, we hear, hey, you know talent hack. And, and I like Jessica creates this, creates this, this, this uh, big energy construct guy with a, with a guitar and he, that smacks uh, Lissith from behind. It's like, hey, meet a real rock star. It's like, you scripted reality star. Is that supposed to be Kurt Cobain? It could be. It probably is based on where she's from, right? Yeah. I think it's Kurt Cobain. It would make, it would make sense. Um, yeah. I don't know if he would be really rock. <laughs> Truly, but I guess, but I that's I think you were correct based on because she's from Portland, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so Je- Jessica Jessica engages Lisseth there, and well, you know, she, and she and basically she she kind of makes like pseudo copies of herself, I guess, which I guess the the car guy genes allow her to make duplicates of herself. And she's like, now die for the cameras, Jessica. And this is one of the things I don't like about this issue. Some of the way she, the way she talks, her the language that that Lisseth uses in this in this issue is a little too Earth-like for my liking. Uh, she goes, now die for the cameras, Jessica, and serve your purpose as clickbait. Um, she's like, you know, it's like and a bunch of a bunch of Lisseths are attacking Jessica, and she's like. And Jessica points out, you know, I, I never liked your your do your duo tone ass. And she goes, I just needed, you know, I didn't need you to like me. I just needed Simon to. And Simon points out, comes back and he he, he throws a monkey, literally a wrench in, into her plans. It's like you used me. And she goes, no. and she goes, not entirely. You know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't lying. I do feel connected to you, Simon Baz. It's like you saved me from death. You gave me part of yourself. Which I suppose isn't much comfort, after all. I mean, you could have avoided all this if you just let me die in that deck of that starship, but you didn't. All that compassion for an alien, and she kind of, oh, I won't be that, you know, I won't be that kind to, you know, to Earther Simon and all this banter back and forth. It's like we shared some light, among other things. It's like, but the surge engine gifted me with the powers of a thousand alien refugees, and all that evolution is is good for more than punching and kicking. And so we we kind of see her, you know, her dri- drifting into her her psychic powers, you know, which f- from Vega, and you know, as she plays she plays on Simon's plays on Simon's fear about being about being locked up and being about you know that he's really a, you know he's really a bad guy. You just you know you don't deserve to be free. I think that works a little too easily on Simon personally. Uh, so Simon. So once again, Simon kind of becomes useless, which is all too common these days in these issues. That Jessica's the one who ends up doing most of the damage. Uh, Lisseth seems about ready to like literally uh, suck, you know, suck the brains at a at a Simon when all of a sudden 
her mom shows up in this in this battle armor and smashes her daughter to the ground. Uh, Regent Vok tries to more or less do the uh, turn away from the dark side speech. We we always we always expect you know it's not too late. You can you you can come back. Um, Lysith kind of take takes control. She kind of like takes control of the armor, and more or less. Uh, her mom is kind of powerless now. We get another di- uh, stretch of dialogue I don't really like. It's like, listen, it's like, it's it's your own fault that you were so full of yourself that you didn't notice how pissed off I was, how pissed we all are. It's like, you were so concerned about turning outward that you completely ignored your own people's feelings of disenchantment and anger as you sent ships off to save slimy frogs. Uh... She, you know, she, she rips her mom out of the armor, you know, she's... She's seemingly getting prepared to kill, you know, to kill, to kill her mom. She, you know, she she drops her mom, Simon, Simon, whose energy is still not entirely functioning properly because his willpower is being impacted by Lissa's mind games, is able, still able to fly over and save the regent. Uh, Jessica kind of re, reimagines the armor that she used in the first part of this issue when she was sparring with uh, the regent, and. And she kind of points out, I got some bad news for you, One Hit Wonder. It's like, you may be Superman plus Martian ha- Manhunter by way of Selena Gomez, but now that I took apart your clone copies, it was God. God, it was nasty on the upside. I got lots of practice for the real thing. So she engages Lysith at this point. Uh, the little Molite village is, is, is burning from the earlier attacks. You know, they start, they all start trying to get to higher ground. At this point, they're kind of trapped. And all the Molites are panicking and they're screaming and and you know the Podfather tries to offer them comfort more or less before they go. At this point, we see uh, a whole bunch of Ungaran citizens are are kind of like breaking through the rubble and also have uh, buckets of water to help put out the fires to try to save save the Molites. Um, so Simon kind of she lands and rests and puts down Regent Vok and says, you know, I really can't help or can't go much further right now because my head's still a mess. And the Regents, you know, you know, my people, they aren't listening to Lysif. They aren't attacking. They saw suffering and they're helping. Like the shore of Gobre, we arrived to kill, but because of the tsunamis, we saved people instead. Just, <laughs> that was sudden Jessica comes into the picture, literally landing with a thud, and Lysif is like way, going way batshit crazy and, and, and her looks. Now she's 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 really going. It's like she's. It's not. I mean, we know she's now truly 100% evolving. I guess. I mean, we assume she's doing this by you know by choice. But obviously, the more the more angry and warped she gets, the more moving away from any kind of resemblance to an Angarian she gets. You know, she calls herself and she calls herself a new goddess. So, you know, Simon Simon still engages her in combat while she starts singing this. You know, this like Green Lantern inspired song to her. She, She's like, do you see hate? Do you see anger? And Simon's like, yeah. And I said, I also see what I gave you, what we shared, the green light, and I'm taking it back. So now we see another interesting, though not necessarily interesting for the better, caveat with Simon's ability to heal people. It kind of seems to be more like, kind of like how Hal's Parallax saved John Stewart or healed John Stewart and, and Emerald Knight and how he, that inside of John even though you didn't know it at the time, there was green energy inside him, and that was how he was able to be healed. That there was green energy inside Lysith from when Simon saved her from dying. So we got. So I guess we assume there's got to be green energy energy inside Nazir too. Uh, so Simon pulls 
pulls this huge amount of green energy out of Lysith. Regent Vok yells for him to stop. Not enough, because more or less, if she took anything more out, she would have been dead. So more or less, she's hurt, she's wounded, barely alive, but she is alive. Regent Vok, you know, she cradles her daughter, and it's like, no more, please, there's only one thing that will stop more war. We must see that it's all of us against a heart universe, all of us living such short lives. Lithus is like, Mom! And she's like, oh, still... Be still, my child, and listen Listen to my heart. Several days later, we kind of see that the Ungarans and seemingly... The, the, the Ungarans now, miraculously enough, have embraced the Molites and are kind of helping re repair the little re refugee camp, improving it. And 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 uh, now... now Because one of the Molites' little habits that was driving them kind of nuts with any... Like any little any little potential scrap of metal that they found, they would turn into armor and wear. I guess it was part of, part of their customs. And now we kind of get that moment where it seems like, oh, miraculously enough, the Ungarans have now kind of decided to overlook that, and they kind of see it as borderline borderline endearing. Um, Lysith is looking not particularly good. She's kind of like in, in in a med pod here. She's on life support. It's like the planet of Angar will continue to be at your side, you know, should you need us talking to the Green Lanterns. But I will be stepping down as regent. I have details to focus on, battles to fight, and my child has so little future left. Simon, you know, Simon talks to the Podfather about what's going on, and it's like, oh, she, he was going to visit, you know, the, the, peop, the his people that got hurt during the attack, and now, and now he feels more. He feels obviously the guilt is gone now. He feels validated because of how the people of Angarans have embraced them. <laughs> and they go back to Jessica's little, little cute little phrase about use the rope. It's like, it's like every day of life is a gift, and that is all that, the tie, that tie that binds us all together. It is the rope! <laughs> use the rope, Jessica Cruz! Use the rope! And I like Jessica, right back at you! And of course... <laughs> Simon's like, you know, your therapist would be would be really thrilled to know that more or less her cheesy her cheesy little line to you became a a basis of an entire religion, and they kind of go over to uh. Then they have this conversation, which to me seems kind of like out of the blue, other than setting up the next arc, that he kind of mentions uh, Simon mentions the girl that he hooked up with last last arc, Night Pilot, about uh you know he met through the, through Caper the superhero app, and you said it was. You said I was overcompensating as a lantern because the rest of my life wasn't going the way I wanted. You were right. He kind of points out that you know he's he's kind of he's kind of unhappy. They have this little they have this cute little ab and sir moment. Once again, we got the oh two you know we'd be two brown people with bad resumes. Okay, guys, you've made your point about that. I hope we're not going to get this every issue or every arc having about the two brown people with bad resumes or something along the same lines. We cut back to space and we actually see Night Pilot, and Night Pilot is more or less being uh, being ordered to to do mining work to do mining work, um, and seemingly she's a, she's a slave. We don't necessarily know why she's being held captive to do this, but we're gonna find out next arc because it's superhuman trafficking. I got more. Out of that. I got more out of that than I thought too. Um, the artwork was better in this issue. Yeah, not, yeah, not too bad. God, DC is really trying to pimp these uh, post DC Metal series, aren't they? Oh, 
with the uh, oh yeah the you uh, I mean the the, age, the new age of heroes that stuff yeah sideways Damn the it. terrific yeah get I'll be getting the terrifics but the, other than that I don't think I care about any yeah, of the others I don't uh, but they're doing even like TV commercials and shit like actual TV commercials for this stuff so goddamn DC um but anyways back to back to the point I guess um yeah I mean this it was a good issue it ended interestingly this is more of an out and out fight we kind of left the political stuff behind uh I mean it's still here obviously uh because it's the 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 building blocks to get where we are but this was more of a out and out lanterns versus alien fight thing. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if I care or agree with uh, how she gets into Simon's head. Um, <clears throat> I also don't know if I agree with how he defeats her. Because even if he takes this whatever this is, because we need an explanation uh, on what this stuff is and how he can do it and what it really is. But, like, even if he can do this, that doesn't negate the surge engine's work. Like, no, no, it does. It, it, no, it, it doesn't. Um, uh, it, it's, it's shaky. I mean, just just like she... When, when that stuff first gets pulled out of her, she you know, she doesn't look that bad on the ground. No. And then all of a sudden, then she's in that med pod thing, and she looks like she's, like, 90 years old. So maybe, yeah. So, maybe, I, so I guess we assume that she's going... At this moment, we're, I guess we can assume that she's dying, even though the Lord knows probably something will happen to prevent that. Probably some of the other genetic work on her will save her. <laughs> I don't know. It was again. You take you take you take Angara. You you make this Planet X instead of Angara, and I think we care a whole lot less about these people. Oh, this arc. I mean, maybe we. I, maybe I still would have liked Region Vok a little bit, maybe. But I think as overall, we would, would take away that tie to Abin Sur, which is kind of like something they keep beating that drum all throughout this arc about Abin Sur's importance, not just to Angara, but to the Green Lantern Corps. And then at the end of this issue, kind of like doing the six degrees of separation, uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon for Abin Sur and how it, how it all affects you know Hal and how putting Simon and Jessica together and, and all this stuff. So, Yeah. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to figure out what, I, I, I like the moment, I guess, where the youth of Angara comes to help. Yeah, that was, the that, was that was, yeah, that was cool. Maybe a little forced, mayhaps, but it was, mm-hmm. I think a lot, I think a lot of, I think a lot of stuff in this issue was forced. This kind of has a heavy handy, heavy handedness to it, which does it again, it doesn't make it a bad story. Uh, and I actually did like the first issue in this arc. When I first read it, I thought it got off. Not by itself, but then when the other two issues came out, and then I read it, reread it together as a whole, it's like, eh, I don't know. Mm. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Um, so. but yeah, I don't. Okay. I honestly don't have anything else to say about it. It's kind of, it's kind of it. Yeah, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, it's not, it's again, like a lot of these. Like a lot of stuff we've read, probably in the pre- in the pre-birth era, it's like the pre-birth era in the uh, in the rebirth era in these books that it's not a bad arc, 
but it's not a particularly memorable arc, and it's not, and it's not, maybe not even particularly interesting. And I still, and I still, it still to me seems like they're really come, they're really trying to force, give us a reason why Simon Baz is still in this book, or still, you know, why we should care about Simon Baz, because, yeah. because, and I, I don't think they're necessarily succeeding. I, I, I think that, but I think that's the, that's, the, I think. I think this book would be much better served at this point if it was just a Jessica Cruz solo book or a Jessica Cruz Kyle book, Jessica Cruz Guy Gardner book. That's what I, I think. Simon Baz doesn't – I don't – I just I just think it's – and I don't – I don't know. I think it's it's the way they've taken Simon Baz too. I mean, yeah, we all know the first issue Simon Baz was ever introduced in by Jeff Johns was extremely heavy-handed. But that Simon Baz, once you got beyond that origin issue, at least he was likable. We know that Simon Baz, when they started this book, wasn't likable. He's been kind of, sort of getting more likable. But then again, you know, when you go all the way down to the abyss, I mean, you can't, you can only go up. But still, I, I, I think like I think a lot of Green Lantern fans really don't see his purpose for being, other than he exists because, basically, you take away his his color and his political persuasion or his or his religion and the politics that revolve around that nowadays that would Simon Baz really have a role does he really serve many a purpose otherwise I just seems like that seems to be his main reason for being uh, Jessica serves a purpose I think for multiple reasons um, and she's more relatable I think she's more relatable based on the way not just because she has issues but just because of the way she comes across and that some of the stuff she deals with and and you have the, and you kind of have the Kyle factor of having somebody completely having somebody being a novice with the ring but also having extra baggage to make that even more of a challenge but we'll see I mean obviously the sales for these books continue to go down and down and down and you have to think you have to think at some point at the very least they're going to have to start stop publishing these books twice a month you would think that would be probably the first thing they would do at least for with one, at least for one of these books, you think at the at the very least before before they would cancel it, they would try to go down to once a month on this, and you would have to think we've got to be getting close to that point. I, I mean, if if your sales keep going down and down and down and down, I mean, it's 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 not like they've settled into their niche yet, where it's like okay, we know we're not going any lower than this. It just seems like it's just so I, I something's going to have to be done at some point about not just I mean not. Potentially just this book, but probably the Hal book too. But at least the Hal book, you can justify it more because all the characters in it, and you know you're going to have a Green Lantern book no matter what. But if you're going to keep this book, I think really, I I think they're going to need to do a change in this book at some point. And I, I just like I go back to what I said to begin with. Unless DC is absolutely for whatever reason committed to this book, regardless of sales, or they may say we're gonna we're gonna keep this book around for like five years or four years no matter what. Unless they make that determination, there's really no way I see this book in, in its current current incarnation surviving with Simon and Jessica indefinitely because people don't care all that much. That's just no. what it comes down to. <clears throat> Jessica has the potential. So I think I think they made a, a really bad move by doing the good cop bad cop with Simon, and because Simon wasn't particularly liked or beloved to begin with, so to take him and make him a dick just to try to prop up your other character. I don't know. Mini soapbox over, so. All right, anything else to say about these uh, issues or this arc? 
nothing about the issues of the arc. I don't think. And I don't know. I don't. I gotta be honest. I don't know how thrilled I am with the with the next with the next arc, which somehow is because that magical superhero dating app is going is going to be used by pe- by like space space smugglers or human tra- alien tra- human traffickers. I don't know. I I'm I'm, I'm sure we'll get an explanation for it. I'm I'm just don't know how interested I am in that one either. <laughs> All right. Well, before we close out, I did have one thing I wanted to say. Based on roughly when this issue, this episode comes out, uh, guys, head over to your local comic shop or to Amazon or wherever you can get things because there's a new hardcover coming out. Green Lantern Corps, Beware Their Power, Volume 1. Have you heard about this, Mark? Say that one more time, Chad. I don't think I, I think I, I lost you a little in the, in the earpiece there. Uh, so, uh, based on when this episode comes out, um, there is going to be a new Green Lantern card cover co- uh, coming out, uh, called Green Lantern Corps Beware Their Power Volume 1. No, I don't think I saw the solicit for that. Okay, so, uh, according to Amazon, it's supposed to release on February 13th, uh, 2018, uh, but from the product description, the Green Lantern Corps... Now only made up of Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Aresia, Kat Matui, Chip, Salak, and Kilowog have made Earth their new home. Now the new Green Lanterns not or now the Green Lanterns must battle cosmic threats while dealing with the national politics of the United States and the Soviet Union. Plus the alien members of the Corps are are eager to explore their new home and learn all about strange new human customs. Green Lantern Corps Beware Their Power Volume One collects for the first time ever. Green Lantern Corps 207 through 215, and Green Lantern Corps Annuals 2 and 3, from the veteran Green Lantern creative team of Steve Englehart, Joe Staten, and Mark Farmer. So, yeah, Green Lantern Corps, back from the 80s and shit, is going to be collected. Interesting. Yeah, so... I thought that was interesting, and not, not only that, it, not only is it interesting that that's what they're collecting, it's interesting that they're starting with 207. Um, <clears throat> actually, is it? What was the first issue of Green Lantern Corps? I keep thinking 200, but I don't think that's right. Mm. Green Lantern Corps 207. What's the cover look like? No, yeah, that's that's not the cover I was thinking of. Where Kilowog looks weird. Yeah, that's not the cover. That's a different cover. So yeah, there's. It's interesting where they're starting this <clears throat> with 207, um, and it's also interesting that it, of all things, it's a hard cover. DC has enough faith in this series, in the collection of the series, to stick it into a hard cover and not a trade paperback. They're they're just now recollecting the the Kyle Rayner one, and by the way, the second volume of that guys has also been solicited officially by DC. It comes out in uh, sometime in April. Um, but anyways, but, it, but even that, like the popularity of the Kyle Rayner run, they're still only giving that trade paperback status. But this, they give a hardcover to. I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm gonna get it, but like, holy crap! Yeah, it is kind of random. Yeah, I don't. I really don't like the idea of how they did this, where they they they're starting with two hundred seven instead of the first issue when it switched over to core. 
But I wonder, let me see, do you have the Steve Englehart, Joe Staten, uh, or the, the Sector 2814 trades? I think I, I think I only have the first one. I have three of them. I don't know if they wouldn't be on that, but I'm like checking this one now to see if it collects the start of the Green Lantern Corps title. No, this is just... This is when the the this the, the volume three ends when the guardians fly off with the Zamorans. Yeah, two oh one was the I think the start of the core. Yeah, so why don't they why don't they have two oh one through two oh six? That makes no sense. Yeah, so this is this the sector two eight one four and uh, trades in with issue two hundred. <clears throat> Yeah, that makes no sense. It's like they're, they're see now my OCD is going crazy. <laughs> the sector two eight one four trades will end with two hundred. This will be a hardcover that picks up with two oh seven. So what the hell? Where's one? Yeah. Where's two oh one? There's gonna be a, there's gonna be a six issue gap in the trades on my shelf. What is happening? <laughs> I mean, if you really cared about the difference between. <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry, sorry, sorry. Don't die. The difference between the hardcover and the, and the softback, you just can wait. Could, you know it'll come out in softcover at some point, probably. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know if I want to play, pay hardcover pricing for it, anyways. Yeah, I mean, it's a really, is, it, is it really worth rolling the dice? I mean, anyway, I mean, it's, it's not like it's a must-have, anyway. Oh, it's a must-have, just in terms of I want to show DC I support them going back and reprinting this stuff. But yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> But I wanted to bring that up because uh, that uh, says it's going to release on the 13th, and that'll be roughly right around the time this uh, episode comes out. So, just wanted to—it's either out or it's either already out or just about to come out as you guys hear this. So, if you're interested, if it do, if you don't have the sector 2814 trades like I do, and it doesn't bother your OCD, yeah, head on out and get it and let. Uh, <clears throat> You know what? Actually, talk about it on social media too, so that DC not only knows that you bought it, but that you enjoy it and are excited about it. So, if you're the type who tags DC Comics and things and does does the hashtags, then yeah, for sure, definitely uh, let DC know that you bought it and that you enjoy it. So we can get more of this stuff. All right. Anything else? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Um, did you watch the Ant-Man trailer yet? I watched it the day it came out. I don't know. I haven't like watched it again and again, but I did watch it the day it came out. What did you think? <sighs> again, I said it before last time we talked about Marvel-related stuff. I think of the entire MCU, Ant-Man is is it's not the 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 bottom bottom, but it's probably in like the bottom third of the MCU movies I care about. Like I really have no much, not much interest in it. I expressed this before about Ant-Man and the Wasp that this movie I'll have more interest in because of where it's, you know, kind of the world it's taking place in. the fact that he's attached and has relationships with other Avengers and, and stuff like that. I'll be curious about those dynamics, but watching this just reconfirmed to me that I just, I don't have that much excitement attached to Ant-Man and the Wasp themselves. Like, 
that side of their universe, forgetting their interpersonal relationships with other characters in the MCU, I don't really care that much. It does look fun. I'll definitely go see it, and I'll probably enjoy it. But I'll enjoy it probably as an action movie and or heist movie, depending on how they do it. And not so much as, oh, I'm here to see Scott Lang and and <laughs> see what happens with the Wasp. And I want to see the, the shout-out to this new villain. Like, I don't have any real interest in that stuff. I think the, I think the best part of the first movie and you get you get tons of that feeling in this movie that the best part of Ant-Man is the chemistry between the three leads between Paul Rudd Evangeline Lilly and Michael Douglas so I think they played hot and heavy on that in in the in the teaser trailer so I thought that was pretty good I liked it was cool seeing the wasps not just her outfit, but seeing her in action and, and the powers that they gave her, which obviously is funny. The fact that that obviously, obviously, Daddy made sure that his daughter had a little more bang for the buck in the suit than for Scott. <laughs> that was kind of, that was kind of funny. Um, I like the I like using the Pez dispenser, using the Pez dispenser as to, to, and enlarging that. That was that was a nice touch. I think it looks fun. I think I think. It will be interesting to see when exactly it fits into the time frame of everything. We know, obviously, it's going to take place after Civil War, since they referenced the, that in the beginning of the trailer. What, you know, when Scott's talking to to Hope, you know, would she have helped more or less if if she was around when Cap had called? You know, would you have come and helped? Um, so we know it takes place after Civil War. I'm going to have to suspect it probably takes place in the real timeline before Infinity War. I'm going to guess. I, I say it still takes place afterwards, but I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I have nothing I can back that up with. Like, oh, if you look in such and such a scene in the trailer, then it clearly shows. Like, no, I, I, I still say it's all chronological. Well, assuming we know he shows, we know he and en- he ends up being in, in somewhere in either Infinity War, you know, Avengers three or Avengers four. So I, I don't, the, depending on where they end up on it in three. You know when when it comes out, I I, I it's weird. I mean, it, it's a weird thing for people to accept. You know, because you're expecting these things to f- follow in chronological order that we already know that they they really don't. That there are things that have happened. You know, time frame wise, they don't match. Like Guardians Two, guard the events of Guardians Two basically take place in 2014, because the beginning of the movie takes place in 1980, and they say 34 years later. And we yeah, but Guardians takes place completely in space, completely detached from everything else. Right, but the point is when they, the stuff that's happening when we saw Avengers, I mean we saw Guardians last year was taking place at a different time frame, in all, than Thor, Ragnarok, which was released in the same calendar year. That's the basic point. Um, yeah. That's why Groot's able to be a baby for the, the entire events of Guardians two, and then we see him age. Already in the uh, in the credits to a teenager, so we they're a lot, so they're allowing a natural progression of time. So it's not just oh, you know, this just happened like you know this happened like two days after Guardians two. That no, they're already setting up the Guardians two technically in a in a real timeline and real and we were really going in real chronological order, putting these events in you know when they happened that. That the technically Guardians came out in 2017, but the events of Guardians Guardians 2 came out in 
fact in 2017, but the real events of that movie were taking place at least three years before. So, but I'm looking forward to it. I really liked Ant-Man. I think Paul Rudd's great. I think that was, but Marvel gets right and has continued to get right is the casting of their main leads in these movies. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, so I, I yeah, I, th- I think I think it looks good. Probably we'll be at a next time next time we record we'll be able to talk about the Han Solo teaser trailer because that's coming out on the Monday after the Super Bowl supposedly. And go Eagles! Yes, along with ninety percent of the of the rest of the country will be rooting basically against the Patriots, but the Eagles will be the benefactor of that. <laughs> yeah, everybody's everybody right now is saying, "Oh, Chad, you just are rooting for the Eagles because you hate Tom Brady." And you're on the bandwagon of hating Tom Brady. You're right. And of, and of <laughs> I, don't, I don't find fault with that. I hate Tom Brady. Yes, you are correct. And of Go course, Eagles. By the time this comes out, <laughs> it, by the time this gets released, the game will have been long gone. So, <laughs> so, so, well, it's, wish, it's either wishful thinking or, or we're being quite psychic at this point, hoping pulling for the Eagles. Um, one thing I kind of wanted to mention real quick, and it's not really time specific, so this is a good way to throw it into this. Just the idea that supposedly there is like no real movement on the Green Lantern Corps movie. The last thing what David Goyer said, <laughs> that, that, that there's like that there's no further word on that movie or movement on the script or anything. He's not, literally nothing new to talk about in that movie when it comes to making this movie. And that movie's still supposed to be out in what 2020. It was a, mm-hmm. it was a 2020 release, and here we are in the beginning of 2018, and this movie. By, at this point, seemingly has still has no one, maybe no official green light. It has no no script. It has no cast. Well, they're still they're still making progress, I think, because like, I, and I know there's nothing announced, but I just mean like, right now you got to consider that Shazam has already started filming or whatever. Um, they're locking down the specifics of the Flash movie, and so I mean they're they're pretty pretty much sticking to the plan that they had made uh, for the most part. And I mean, it, it's also a good thing too, because um, we haven't heard anything about the cyborg movie and the cyborg movie is supposed to come out the exact same year as green lantern core. So, but I also, right now, right now I figure like, unless I figure like I'll start worrying about it. Either a, when it gets to super, super duper crunch time, and we still haven't heard anything. Or B, we start hearing a shit ton about, like, say, the Cyborg movie and still nothing about the Green Lantern Corps movie. I, th- I would be more concerned with the fact that supposedly more or less the only three the only three movies that are really officially greenlit and are they're planning on making as of now that obviously Aquaman, because that's done, uh, Shazam, because that's either being, like you said, it's either filming or just about to start filming, and supposedly Flashpoint. That other than that, right, well, and Wonder Woman too. Oh yeah, and Wonder and Wonder, Wonder Woman too. Yeah. Um, but of all, the, but of all the projects that are new projects that are not sequels, that the only that there's only, and even Flashpoint, I think, is kind of shaky. I mean, I, no, I they won't admit it, but I think considering all the problems they've had. With that flash, with any flash movie to begin with, whether it was always intended to be Flashpoint or they switch gears to make it Flashpoint, we know that Flash movie has had more problems than anything in DC at this point. 
I still, I still would be a little concerned. I'd be a little concerned that that there's tons, there's tons of talk about oh they want to do this, they want to do that, they want to do the you know it's going to be a Suicide Squad too. Maybe there's going to be the Harley Quinn, you know, night was the Knights, uh, Birds of Prey, all that, all there's not, oh there may, there might not be, and all the this there's lots of things with DC that's up in the air. Oh, uh, the Matt Ryan Batman movie. Yeah, the but yeah, what, yeah, whatever. Whatever that, whatever the Batman movie is going to be, whether it's still going to be Affleck, whether it's going to be Gyllenhaal, whether it's going to be somebody, all these things are are circling, but nothing is, you know, nothing is close to landing or getting permission to land yet. And a lot of it's going to depend on the ones. And again, they have Aquaman. Aquaman's pretty much going to sink or no pun intended, sink or swim on its own now. And I, who knows about that movie? I mean, people like Jason Momoa. I don't know if people necessarily like Jason Momoa's Aquaman, but is that gonna, is he going to be big? Is that going to be big enough to to put asses in the seats at a, at a, at a good level? Uh, let's let's not forget. Well, we still haven't seen a trailer for it, so as soon as we see the trailer for it, we'll know. Eh, not necessarily. I mean, I mean, did we necessarily think that Justice League was not was going to come massively underachieve just based on the first trailer? That we saw. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have much faith in oh, it. Oh, but, but yeah, but you have. To, but we had no faith in it to start with. I mean, it kind of yeah. was reaffirming. I mean, but I mean, if you were looking at it objectively and just saw that trailer, I don't necessarily know that would have made you think, "Oh, this is going to absolutely suck." Uh, and it didn't absolutely suck. But I mean, but you know what I mean. I Aquaman's a tough sell anyway because it's not an overly popular character, and Shazam's. I mean, Shazam. Shazam's a real rolling of the dice here. I mean, I, I mean, some of the some of the some of the ways. I mean, we know Suicide Squad made money, especially based on expectations and even based on having to de- carry some of the baggage of coming out shortly after BVS. So that was surprising that it made as much money as it did, considering again they're, they're like they're like C or B tier characters for the most part. But they, I mean, even I mean Wonder Woman made a lot of money. You know, cumulatively, but it's not like Wonder Woman came out with like a hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy million dollar opening. Even if Aquaman opens to like a hundred million dollars or something, that's you know that's certainly not chump change. But is that does that automatically mean DC's one hundred percent on the right track? And also depends on how much it holds up and how much it makes over. I think Shazam's really, really questionable because I don't think Captain Marvel is much that popular a character. I think that's a movie that it ha- that if that movie f- to succeed has to be good. I think you need a movie, you need that movie to be well received, where people say the acting, the actors did a good job, and the um, the movie itself sinks or swims on its own. I don't think you can carry. I don't think you can. That makes that makes me nervous because if Aquaman underachieves at the box office, and if Shazam underachieves at the box office. At some point, a lot of the stuff might just get blown up, and that, and since Green Lantern Corps was always pushed to the back burner, that's going to be one of the ones that's probably going to get bumped off. It shouldn't be because that if they that's one of the ones if they actually had spent spent the money and time to do it right, they could really you know that could be huge, but it's also going to be probably more of your more expensive ones with all the money you have to spend on constructs. So I I don't know I. We'll see. I, but I'm a little. I'm I'm a little concerned now about Green Lantern Corps and the 2020 date. I think we better we better have some casting news or something. Certainly by mid to late 2018. 
because if we have nothing, if we're in the same exact holding position as we're about to roll into 2019, it doesn't look promising. So, Speaking of films, uh, everybody knows Black Panther is getting like a lot of praise. Uh, sounds like it's all deserved. Sounds like it's going to be an epic movie. Looking forward to seeing it. Um, <clears throat> but saw some news that we're supposed to be expecting a trailer or a teaser or some sort of uh, footage for Venom pretty soon, which is awesome. So, uh, But uh, the reason I bring up Black Panther is because a lot of people are speculating that uh, the announcement that we're supposed to be seeing something from Venom pretty soon kind of coincides. It would make sense if we saw it in front of something like Black Panther. That would make sense. I mean, Black Panther comes out in what two, but two weeks from today, um, and we already know Tom Hardy has finished filming all his scenes. So obviously, mm-hmm. so obviously, if not all the movie in being, if it's not all in the can, a huge percentage of the movies in the can. So that probably also means they've had plenty of time to at least do something. To, to, you know, you don't need that much of that many special effects to do a teaser. You just need one or two scenes. So yeah, uh, I think it's, I think that's gonna be that's gonna be that's gonna be cool. Obviously, since we did our since we did our movie preview, we know that uh, what New Mutants got pushed back a whole year, mm-hmm. which is not a good sign. Uh, it's probably still gonna come out because it's from what uh, what Feige said about the. the the Fox Marvel merger is that probably we're like at least, like eight at least eighteen months away or something before that starts factoring into their plans. So that would still mean that if it's going to take you know almost two years for this stuff to be finalized, that Fox is still going to pretty much be the one calling the shots on you know New Mutants. And plus they already filmed it, so it is. I, I would ha- it would literally have to be the the ultimate train wreck for it never to see the light of day. But it's certainly not a good sign that that movie got pushed all the way back a year. And your boy, and your boy Gambit once again is now completely back in limbo. Mm-hmm. That project, I I would certainly go out on a limb and say that project is never going to see the light of day, not in, in its current incarnation, uh, because considering that you know literally other than having Channing Tatum assigned to it, and no longer what has it, it, it but who was the last one? Was it Gore Verbinski? Was he the last one? That uh, I don't. I honestly don't know. I don't care about directors, writers, and stuff like that. Well, you should. But nonetheless, it doesn't <laughs> matter because you ain't got any at the moment. <laughs> and yeah. and the odds are, especially with the the longer that project gets put on ice, it, then you're getting closer to when DC and I mean Marvel and and Fox, assuming that deal goes through. So then Marvel, then probably Marvel will put the kibosh on that because they they'll have other plans and they they'll probably be smart enough to realize even if Gambit can do a solo movie, you're better off bringing them in. Is part of the team, and build up, build up, you know, build him up, and then maybe do a Gambit and Rogue movie or something like that. Than just so that's going to be another project that probably never sees the light of day in our little. Movie. There is, uh, there's, there's been an uptick as uh, you know in Venom-related content and from Marvel. There's, there was the Edge of the Venomverse, uh, which pre, obviously the prequel for Venomverse, and then there was. Uh, more recently, the Venom Inc. storyline with Venom and uh, the Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, right now, uh, Venom is crossing over with X-Men Blue. Uh, and then there's going to be another Venom event happening um, 
in the next two or three months, something like that. Also written by Cullen Bunn. Uh, and then after that, there'll be a lead up to celebrating Venom's 30th anniversary. So lots of Venom shit this year. But the only reason I bring that up, because you mentioned Gambit, uh, there is a new Gambit and Gambit and Rogue. It's Gambit and Rogue uh, miniseries that started to come out. And you know how they have X-Men Blue, X-Men Gold, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they're X-Men about Red. to... X-Men Red, which uh, cover for issue number one has Jean Grey and a bunch of stuff. But issue three was recently solicited, and who's on the cover? Gambit. So um, seems like they're starting to hype up the, the Cajun a little bit, too. So I just... Uh, I don't know. I think uh, Marvel's Marvel's making an effort to keep him in the the public spotlight a little bit. So at least more so than they have in recent memory. So I uh, obviously I'll be getting X Men Red, um, and uh, obviously I'm reading the Rogue and Gambit or the Gambit and Rogue uh, miniseries. So <clears throat> yeah, just uh, keep an eye out. I don't know. Um, it seems like right now Marvel does have a little bit of faith in in the Cajuns. So, oh, as a as a character in the book, sure. I mean, I just I think I think there's a little bit of I don't think there's a whole lot of anticipation to Channing Tatum playing the character. I think that's always hmm. that's kind of always been hovering about it, and this has become and we all and we do know that project excuse me projects like this do not necessarily have to be doomed just because. You know, there's a cloud hovering above it. You know, we've, you know, Ant-Man had a cloud hovering above it, and Ant-Man turned out to be fine. So there's, there's some of these projects that get delayed and delayed and delayed, and and or the magic the magic word these days reshoots, you know, and everything else, and then oh my god, it's got to be horrible because of, and it doesn't and it doesn't necessarily turn out to be that way. It could be that way. It's just a, it 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 becomes it becomes shakier when you have. Whenever you have a project that goes through multiple directors and multiple, I mean, there's been at least two to three directors assi- assigned to Gambit at this point. Just like the, with the Flash movie, there's been like gone through. It's just it, that, no, I don't, I don't hold out hope for it. It's, I think the same thing of the Gambit movie as I did, quite honestly, about the Venom movie until they actually started casting and filming. I didn't believe the Venom movie was happening until it was happening. So. <laughs> Yeah, the the Gambit movie. I'm excited for the concept of having a Gambit movie, but I'm, you're not going to see me get super stoked about it until we are actually making progress, the same way we are right now with Venom. So, I think I think that's I think that's fair. And the cat and get, getting more getting more of the cast announced for because for who who else did they announce? There was somebody else they announced for Gambit, right? There was. I forget who it was. Didn't they announce... Uh, didn't they? There was another... I thought they announced... Uh, there was, and I thought there was somebody that I knew. There was a, a female... Yeah, they're thinking she's going to be uh, playing Belladonna. Right, but I forget the... But it, was the it was the actress. That's that's oh. the one that's... Let's see if I click on listen. Oh, Lizzie Kaplan. Lizzie Kaplan, yeah. that's right. She's, I mean, and for those of you who don't know, uh, in, in the comics... Uh, Gambit's part of the Thieves Guild, and Belladonna is, I guess, the daughter or whatever of one of the heads of the Assassin's Guild. And there's a whole Romeo-Juliet sort of forbidden love story 
between Gambit and Belladonna, and Belladonna is, is his wife, and it's a whole crazy mess, and a bunch of shit happens, and then he goes to the X-Men, where he meets Rogue, and yeah, so that's who Belladonna is, in case anybody's wondering. <clears throat> so yeah, so we'll see. Um, if, if that movie ever sees the light of day, I'm sure it's going to be a lot different, because that may very well be, again, under Marvel's watch at that point, so... I'm sure they, they would approach the approach the property a tad differently. Um, All right. Anything else? I guess I actually was planning on doing this in the beginning, but because I think because of my disclaimer regarding the uh, the issue reviews we were about to do, I suppose it would be the proper thing to congratulate Jim and Lauren. <laughs> That's right. Baby boy on the way. Mr. Jim, Mr. Jim Ford and his wife Lauren will be expecting their second child, another boy. So... Congratulations to them. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be cutting into Jim's recording time, so we better get, better get those pre-birth episodes done before the summertime comes. <laughs> Just get a shit ton of them in the can. Yeah, and my, might be problematic when we start recording the 10th anniversary episode, our, our, our 12-hour spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would not. I think I think we better try to cap that one, but... Three three hours maybe three and a half hours max. <laughs> Even All right, well that will be an important one because that's that, that not only will it be the tenth for the show that'll be that'll be the even five split between them and us. <laughs> All right, want to tell people how they can reach us? Yeah, not that I have the document open, but let's see if I can do it from from faulty. Yeah, memory. you can wing it. I'll if you say, let's see if I can do it from faulty memory at this point. Uh, lanterncast.com, that's the website. Check us out. Email is lanterncast at gmail.com. We are on we are on uh, Facebook and Facebook, Twitter, hashtag GLcast. Uh, you can locate us on those of. Uh, Stitcher and iTunes. So whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, 708 Lantern is the voicemail. Please leave us a voicemail. We actually had one which we, under different circumstances, we would have gone to today. So we have a little bit of listener feedback we will be getting to shortly. So I think that's it. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.